Blog Talk Radio. If we wait for some other person, or if we wait for some other person, for some other person, or if we wait for some other time, we are the ones for some other we've person. been waiting for. Welcome to another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. All right. Let's get this party started right away. We're having some technical issues, some feedback uh, from the uh, Skype, I suppose. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. But, hey, we got it squared away. You know, a lot of things happened today. A lot of things. Uh, the justices were uh, supposed to hand down their verdict today, where we we thought, rather, that the Obamacare verdict would be handed down today, but yet um, we don't have to wait until Thursday for that. Now, Thursday will be the day, so we'll all be on bells. Uh, well, we'll 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 all be on pins and needles waiting for that to, you know, that that verdict to come out. Now. It's not clear exactly how the Arizona law has shaped up because three of the four um, um, laws in question were struck down, but the most important and the most controversial was left into play. So that's a good thing. Uh, we're, we're pleased with that. But I think it's time to call the, the 2012 election. I think it's time to say sayonara for Mr. Obama. He's pretty much GGT is in the house along with the clown and a lot of other folks. GGT, welcome. Hey, um, a lot of things are going on with uh, with the Obama administration right now, and it looks as though they've pretty much had it. But that's just the way it looks because. That's just the way it looks right now. 
You see, I think that the election is still close. But a lot of folks I'm talking to are saying that, you know, Mr. Obama, you know, he might just pull it out. He may, you know, he may come close to getting things his way. Political discourse suggests that he's, you know, that he's a smart politician and that somehow he may be able to pull it out. And Justice Anton Scalia came out and already blasted the administration, saying that Obama has gone way out of he's gotten way out of line with his uh, immigration law, <laughs> his immigration. Uh, what the hell? What is that clown doing? Anyway, let's get on to it. President Obama can't win. He'll likely lose big in a very lopsided election. Pundits will claim to be surprised when the outcome becomes apparent. They shouldn't be. As the signs of such a result are everywhere, despite the mainstream media's attempt to suppress them. Now, a lot of folks aren't going for Romney right now. A lot of folks are saying that Romney's not the guy. A lot of folks are saying that Romney doesn't have the tools. They're saying that, you know, Romney's too liberal. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that Romney's doing everything right right now. He's making all the right moves. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Today's date, June 25th, 2012. I'm here in beautiful Old Town, Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. So, let's take a look at it. How did how did Barack Obama get elected in the first place? Here's the thing. Barack Hussein Obama is a self-centered myth polished further by David Axelrod and uh, the mainstream media. He's a chameleon who takes on whatever shape and form best suits his purposes and goals. He's a con artist, pretty much. There's little substance behind the facade other than the uh, an Elmer Gantry style of politics. He's completely malleable into whatever form and shape best serves his personal interest. A few examples of this flexibility are as follows. He changed his name when he believed it served him to do so. He's not a religious man, but he joined a black liberation church to sell his bona fides to the black community in the early days in Chicago. He said that preacher Jeremiah Wright was like his father. He had threw him under the bus when it became convenient to do so he claimed to have been born in Kenya in order to enhance book sales as a, as a young man. He likely lied on his application to college to gain foreign student status. At this time, that category proved more favorable admission and funding treatment than affordable domestic blacks like you and me. He claimed to be a constitutional professor when he was neither a professor nor particularly well versed in the constitution in fact he reached uh, he started out with um lecturer status and then advanced to senior lecturer it's the path to professorship but he never reached that point owning achieving the title of professor it takes a lot of time and you have to prove yourself you just don't get yourself Degree, go into a college and advance to the level of professor. Just like you don't join the United States Marine Corps and automatically you're a general. <laughs> no, it just doesn't work that way. Well, 
We're going to get into this in just a little bit more in the hour that we have to discuss Barack Hussein Obama. The call-in number is 347-884-8500, and GGT in the chat room writes that I'm impressed with how Romney responds to Obama's mistakes. Now, GGT183, who has a show on Blog Talk Radio, comes on at 1130, uh, conservative prime time. I happen to know that uh, GGT183 is not a fan of Mitt Romney. I'm quite impressed that that GGT has uh, thrown a compliment out to um, to um, to Mitt. Well, we'll take a short break. We'll come right back. John Galt, Atlas Shrugged. A great number of wealthy Americans are leaving the country, renouncing their American citizenship. To save on taxes, moving out of the country, and just coming back and visiting every once in a while. Who wrote about this in a novel, a fictional novel, which has since come to light, come to real life, and rule? I mean, not Anne Rule. <laughs> Anne Rule is a crime author. I must have her on my mind for some reason. Ayn Rand in Atlas Shrugged. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back. Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged, a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I Am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered Southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it, and I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life Rand villains in our book, too, the parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the U.S. housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spread socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how. Uh, why is it we have so many uh, millionaires and everything in the United States, and we still have so many impoverished people who try to get up into the world? Why is it we have this lack of money where people who can't support themselves decently and get a decent job, where all these big men are up on top making oodles and oodles of money? They don't need it. They can only eat that much. Eats in a sleep in the bed. And what do you suppose bed. they do it? If they don't eat it and don't, uh, don't use it, what do you suppose they, they do? They hoard it. 
They and what do you mean they hoard it? You mean it? they put it under their pillow? That's right. No. They, they keep investing it. Investing it in That's what? That's right. Yeah. What are they invested in? Well, in oil and everything, where, I mean, all these other people who are What are they invested in? Don't get off the subject. No. What are they invested in? Well, they invested in a lot of uh, different things that the little people need. Well, do they invest it in factories? Yes. Does some of that money end up in machines? Yes. Do those factories and machines provide ordinary working people with jobs or not? What do you suppose the productivity of this country would be and of the, uh, the wage rate would be if the total amount of capital in this country today was what it was a hundred years ago. Where do you suppose the improvements in productivity come from except from the, re the investment by people of their savings? But let me go to your fundamental question. First place, nirvana is not for this world. There is no paradise. Of course we've got a lot of people who are poorly off. But if you look at it over time, if you get a sense of proportion, the well-being of the ordinary people has been the main thing that has been improved by economic progress and economic growth and development. And residual, most residual hard cases of poverty today are the result, again, of a failure of government. Why do we have a teenage, black teenage unemployment rate in 30 to 40 percent? Because of two failures of government. One, a failure to provide decent schooling, which is a governmental responsibility has been, whether it should be or not, it has been. And second, because of a minimum wage rate, which prevents those kids who haven't had decent schooling from getting jobs at low pay at which they can earn the skills on the jobs that would enable them to rise to higher pay. If you look at the sources of poverty, you will find a very most of them are derived from bad, what I regard as wrong-headed government policies. Well, I'm trying to look ahead because I'm Almost going to retire. Yes. And it's pretty Social hard meeting you go now before, you know, you retire. You're covering a lot of issues here. I might say, if Phil will pardon me, I'm going to cover all of these issues. Yeah, please let's get this plug in because it is an important program, which is, that's Where all I needed. I've this one is going to compete now with guess who, guess who. He's got his own TV show. I mean, I'm not insecure enough. Uh, this is on PBS, and you'll, your first show is in January. January 11th. There will be 10 one-hour shows covering all of these issues in considerable depth half-hour documentary, half-hour studio discussion with people from the other side. Mm -hmm. And they say we invited Ralph Nader, but I don't believe he's accepted. Uh, um, just before we break here, and we have to, I want to make sure I understand you. Because the government sets a minimum wage, we what does start? McDonald's do? McDonald's? It can't hire as many teenagers. It, it uh, improves its capital equipment to serve. It does less business because it has to charge higher uh, uh, hamburger prices. In the absence of a, of a minimum wage, uh, McDonald's would be able to offer a larger number of jobs to a larger number of youngsters, and they would be able to acquire some skills, and not only McDonald's. So we hire more people, more people get work. Younger That's people. The younger people would work, and they get, get a chance, chance to, to develop, develop their skills, skills to become productive members of society instead of being driven into a cycle of poverty and of welfare, which is absolutely deplorable. Milton Friedman, The Economist, returns in a moment. Out of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. In the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want precedent? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. <laughs> I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. All right, I love that. <laughs> he is the most arrogant man in the world. Check out Right Change at rightchange.com. They have some of the finest promos and parodies. Uh, a lot of blog talk hosts 
I think should go ahead and uh and, and get some of those promos from Right Change. I think the audiences will will enjoy those uh, as much as I do. Now we have some folks in the chat room who are concerned that perhaps uh, there'll be some sort of civil unrest or, quote, emergency situation, end quote, whereas the president might declare martial law and suspend elections, write an executive order suspending all elections in due course, and he might use the excuse that, well, uh, the economy's doing bad, uh, Europe is exploding, uh, we really cannot afford to have uh, elections at this time. We must maintain a, quote, continuity of government, end quote, and so we're going to suspend elections. Some folks believe sternly that this is possible with this guy because he has suggested many times that the Constitution is a constitution of negative liberties, and that the Constitution doesn't really say what America should do for you. The Constitution is a charter of negative liberties that suggests what the Constitution that that don't say what the Constitution should do on your behalf. So this administration is capable, given its history so far, of acting on its own and suggesting that, well, to not do so would be, well, not in the interest, the best interest of the American people. Because after all, Obama has said many times that he will act, whether Congress acts or not, in the interest of the American people. Because Congress is a do-nothing Congress, and the president is a do-something president. <laughs> and there are those who say that that uh, Obama could possibly suspend elections. He could pull some shenanigans once it becomes apparent to him that his goose is cooked. Let's take a look at these things right here now. And let's talk about it. The call in number is 347-884-8500. Let's talk about it right now. Little was known about Obama when he entered the primary campaign. Very little at all. He became little more than a complex uh, uh, Richard Blot. With a with a sanitized past, carefully scrubbed and scripted, his campaign avoided specifics. His speeches contained no substance. The imagination of observers defined him. His greatest asset was his unknownness. He was a blank slate to many voters. Imagine, voters imagined whatever they wanted. In the next president, he was a deity. He was he was Franklin Roosevelt. He was Abraham Lincoln. Hell, he was God. He was Jesus Christ to some. He was a blank slate. Folks made him out to be what they wanted him to be. And he was aided by clever marketing, a great marketing campaign. It was almost brilliant which emphasized his uniqueness as a political newbie and the first serious black candidate. He played well to the crowds, didn't he? He was an outsider who would clean up Washington. For many of us, he was the great healer who would bring unity to the Republicans and Democrats. He would be like Jesus Christ at the Last Supper. Blacks and whites, no red states, no blue states, but the United States of America. He was the most interesting man in the world, wasn't he? Now, you got to admit that when Obama came on the scene, a lot of you were taken in by the guy. A lot of you 
were like, wow. This guy is the Mac of all daddies. You know, me, your your humble host here, was taken in like that once. With a presidential candidate. I'll go ahead and admit it right here and now. I was taken in by Bill Clinton. Yeah, it's true. I voted for Bill Clinton the first time around. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the guy was the Mac. I thought he was the man. I thought he was... Let me go ahead and say it. I thought that Bill Clinton was like uh, like Kennedy. And I listened to my man Rush Limbaugh talk about Bill Clinton being a liar and a womanizer. And I turned him off. I turned off Rush Limbaugh for the whole election season. I didn't listen to the guy because I, I thought he was he was being unfair to uh, to Bill Clinton. I, yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid, and I regret it. I learned my lesson. But a lot of you feel the same way that I right now about Obama. You think the guy can do no wrong. You think the guy is... You know he's he's uh, <laughs> you know he's like he's like God he's 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 like uh, <laughs> I don't know you guys think he's he's wonderful and and he's not so I understand uh, chat chatter rumor saying Obama's term expires at noon January twentieth two thousand thirteen after that. I only refer to him as Barry. Yeah, I refer to him as Barry now and a few other names to go along with it. Let's talk about why Obama will lose the election. In fact, we're going to talk about why Obama will lose the election after we take this quick break. (laughs) And listen to my man, Adam Carolla. Talk about paying your fair share. We're going to listen to Adam Carolla talk about paying your fair share. And I must warn you, there's foul language here. Adam's going to explain those of us who have a little money paying our fair share. And then we're going to talk about why Obama will lose. Feel free to call in. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. All right, we'll be right back. All right, so here's my point. Instead of figuring out ways to get more money out of me, how about you fucking thank me? Thank and you, And stop Adam. fucking complaining. And you get into this percentage bullshit. I'm going to throw a percentage. Okay, so I paid 31%, and you paid 33%. Mm-hmm. Here's a percentage. I paid a 1,000 times more than you. Doesn't that fucking well, work or something? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All yes. right. There's a number. A thousand times more. More than a thousand times more. And really, when, when am I going to start paying my fair share? Well, so what is it that you're proposing, though, that you should be paying less or that people should get off your back or that you should be well, getting more from the cops and from the streets? A couple of things. First off, the fucking discussion, this, hey, man, you got to start paying your fair share. Shut the fuck up. 1,000% more. Shut up. So stop with the stop with the politicians pandering. They get a whole bunch of people in the bottom end or close to the bottom end, and they get up there and they go, it's high time these fat cats pay their fair share, and everyone just does this. Shut up. We're paying a 1,000 times more than you are. Shut up. So stop talking about that. Number two, when it comes to percentage, we don't need to adjust the percentage because the amount is so much greater. Mm -hmm. Look, we have a tax in California. The tax is 9.9, whatever, 10%. Now, if you buy the very economical Nissan Versa, (laughs) that car is eleven grand. And so when you buy that car, it's going to cost you $1,100 worth of tax. Now, if I would like to buy myself a $200,000 car, well, then I'm going to pay in $20,000 worth of tax. Do we need to adjust it? 
No, I paid no. twenty grand. I have I have money. I paid two hundred thousand dollars for a car, so I paid twenty into the pot. You paid a thousand into the pot. Now what you're saying is to me is you need to pay your fair share. I did. I paid nineteen thousand dollars into the pot more than you to drive on the same roads, use the same gasoline, go over the same potholes, use the same everything that are involve a, uh, involving cars, and I have put in an extra nineteen thousand dollars. But no, my percentage should be fourteen percent. So you pay a thousand dollars instead of me paying twenty thousand dollars for my car, I should pay twenty seven thousand dollars because I should pay a greater percentage. Well, I've already paid twenty times as much as you. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck cares about the percentage? Even if you cut my percentage in half. Hey, you pay ten percent on your sales tax, I'll pay five percent on my two hundred thousand dollar car. I still paid in ten thousand dollars one thousand. But the fact that we're even the same is insane to me. Of course it should be that way. Name me a facet of life where it doesn't work that way. The more you pay in, the more you get in every facet of life except for this. And I don't mind paying in a thousand times as much as the guys in the bottom percentile. But shut the fuck up. We can both pay 28% or we can both pay 32%. But I'm not paying 35 to you paying 28% when you're in a fucking negative as it is. Yeah, it's like you're pay- you should be paying hush money and they should shut up. Yes, shut, shut up. up and politicians, stop your fucking pandering. Stop pretending that the rich aren't fucking pulling the rest with them. It's bullshit. Of course the percentage should be the same. And this part about how much you can absorb, that's not the issue. It really isn't. Because if you want to make that the issue, then let's open it up. Because there's countries where they don't have pots to piss in. They don't have clean water to drink. They're getting dysentery. So our poor people would be relatively rich to those folks. Mm-hmm. How about they give some of their money to those folks in, uh, in, in Biafra so that they can have clean water and whatever. Oh, you're not giving them your money? Why not? You have two TV sets. They don't have one TV set. You can distill this down. You can keep it going as far as you want to keep it going. People need incentive to work. People need to bust their ass. And then they need to pair. They need to pay their fair share. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is what bothers you most the notion that you should give away more money or that people are judging or neither? I know that when you give people something, they resent you. Mm-hmm. When you have more than other people, they resent you. Everyone who's listening, think about that family member you had to lend five grand to. Were they especially appreciative when you saw them on the following Thanksgiving, or were they sort of dicky? Right. Do you, everyone has had that conversation where they've driven home with their wife, and they're like, Jesus Christ, I gave my fucking older brother Brad five grand for his, so he could buy his, you know, fill in the blank, put down his condo. We just Christmas came and went and didn't even get a fucking card from the guy. Like, they, they're dickier. Why? Because they're ashamed. Mm-hmm. It's a shaming. You shame them by paying for them. And when, you, when they feel shame, instead of internalizing, they externalize. So they push it out at you. Right. So they're pissed off at the government. The people that take the most from the government are, are the ones who are most pissed off mm-hmm. at the government. Um, For me, yes, I'm tired of the pay your fair share. That gets really fucking old when you're cutting the government checks for hundreds of thousands. People saying that. Yes, cut your fair, you know, pay your fair share. And the the percentile gets really old too when you're paying 20 times as much or a thousand times as much. Thank you. All right. That was Adam Carolla. And I couldn't have said it better myself, which is why Adam Carolla said it. All right. And we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Why Obama will lose the election just four and a half months from now? Why? Does anybody know why? Anybody want to talk about it? We've got 25 minutes to talk about it. The calling number is 347. 347- 884-8500. Why Obama will lose this next election is less less difficult to understand than how he won the first time. Because the first time Barack Obama was a fluke. Nobody knew the guy. Nobody knew anything about him. 
usually the new guy with the fresh ideas being very vague, very con artistry. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt. The guy is a slick suit, a con artist. Smooth talking, good looking, wears a nice suit. Very low on substance. Very short on detail. Doesn't that strike you like your common con artist? He was an unlikely candidate. With no demonstrated experience in anything other than reading a teleprompter and sounding damn good. And it didn't it didn't hurt that George W. Bush in the last couple of years was just a disaster. Folks were tired of the guy. Poor guy. And they were tired of the Republicans. And he was more like Bush was more like a Democrat than a Republican. Over 10,000 regulations, uh, driving up debt, spending more than we took in. Bush was doing that during the latter part of his uh, presidency. Folks were tired of that. They wanted a fresh face. They wanted the new guy to come and step in. They wanted a fresh, fresh face, fresh ideas. Romney, Romney's going to choose, uh, GGT183 asked uh, in the chat room, who has a show on Blog Talk Radio, GGT183 Conservative Primetime with Cool Mike and Sarge, Triple Threat, 11.30 tonight. Check him out. He writes in the chat room, Doc, who will Romney choose as his running mate? There is only one choice. It's the choice that's going to cinch the deal for him. It's the choice that is going to cement the election. It's what we're talking about right here, right now. Why Obama will lose the election. One of the the linchpin of why Obama will lose this election is Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio is the clear choice. He's the only choice. Because if you throw in two white guys... The race is still going to be won, but it's going to be a lot closer. We don't want a close race. We don't want two old white guys. We want an old white dude who's good at business, who knows what the hell he's doing, who loves this country, and we want a really hot chick, you know, a black guy if you can get one, or the ultimate Hispanic Marco Rubio. That's what we want. That's what we need. But here's the thing. Barack Obama was pushing his party's nomination. And the media was helping him. His election was a quick... It was a quirk. It was a quirk. It wasn't even, it wasn't even richly earned. Any Democrat who gained the nomination was likely ensured the presidency. Bush fatigue and the hapless John McCain made that a certainty. I mean, Hillary would have won against John McCain. Obama will lose the next election because his greatest asset the greatest thing he had going for him was his unknowingness. Nobody knew the guy. He was unknown. But that exists no longer, folks. Voter imagination can no longer be manipulated in the presence of facts. Quite simply, Obama will not be reelected because too many people now know him. His biggest attribute has been taken away. What people got was nothing like what they were promised or nothing like what they imagined. 
it has now been revealed that the emperor is buck naked. I mean, buck, skinny ass, big eared naked. He's naked. But there are those out there still saying he's wearing he's wearing a nice suit. He's wearing Armani. He's wearing Armani. He's got a blue Armani blazer on, uh, a brilliant white uh, uh, cotton shirt, and some really nice trousers. But the rest of us see a skinny little big-eared so-and-so that's buck naked. What was a blank slate upon which to imagine as Obama as Obama's presidency now is a full blown portrait filled with failure. Obama's track record is abysmal. He doesn't talk about the health health care law. Rubio is qualified. You know, there are them who the there are those in the chat room saying that perhaps Rubio isn't qualified because he's of Cuban extraction. If that were the case if he were not qualified, which is something we really need to get into, and I hope that GGT, Sarge, and uh, and Cool Mike get into this at some point in the very near future, is whether Rubio is qualified to become vice president because everybody's touting him as the the best choice. And I don't think they would do so if he were not qualified to have that job. So we really need to we really need to get into that whether or not he really is qualified and I think one of the people best able to answer that question is Sarge on GGT 183 show and perhaps he'll answer that question for us definitively later on tonight on GGT show which airs at 11:30 So let's go down the list Obama's $825 billion stimulus failed to keep unemployment below 8% as he promised. Since Obama's uh, stimulus passed, almost America's lost 1.1 million jobs, even though the president says that he's he's created 4.4 million jobs. If you count people who have become discouraged and are no longer seeking jobs, some economists believe that the real unemployment number is above 20%. Obama called his health care package one of his major accomplishments. He told CBS Steve Cross that he was, quote, putting in place a system in which we're going to start lowering health care costs, end quote. Yet it has failed to make health care insurance more affordable at all. According to the facts, and, and and the facts watchdogs, the website factcheck.org, Obamacare is actually making health care less affordable. Workers paid an average of $132 more for family coverage than just this year. Obama predicted his investment in green energy would create 5 million jobs. But the Wall Street Journal reports that green job subsidies get more embarrassing every day. Three years ago, President Obama uh, promised that uh, by the end of the decade, America would have five million green jobs. But so far, some $90 billion in government spending has delivered very few jobs. Obama pledged to cut the deficit in half, saying, and, and I quote, and that's why today... I'm pledging to cut the deficit we inherited by half by the end of my first term in office. Even if part of Obama's deficit reduction proposal were enacted, the deficit at the end of his first term would still be $1.33 trillion, more than twice what he promised. A great mistake was made in 2008, folks. A great mistake was was made. That mistake is now blatantly apparent to most voters and most political analysts around the world. Nothing, 
nothing Obama promised has been accomplished. Furthermore, much of what he did has added to our problems. Even the even the fawning media and the Democrat establishment are beginning to recognize Obama's haplessness, his failures, his naivete, his amateurish behavior. Although none are willing to publicly discuss any of that, Democrats really should have replaced this defective candidate a long time ago. Now it's too late. Now the talk is that the Obama ship is sinking and that they're in a panic and that their only possible salvation is to jettison Joe Biden and bring in Hillary. Hillary is saying that she has no interest in being vice president. None. But Democrats have suggested today that she'll be a good soldier and take the job if offered because if she doesn't and Obama loses, her political future is over. Now, that makes no sense to me, but apparently it makes sense to the guy who said it. Today on Fox News, there are those within the Obama administration who are in full-blown panic. Obama's poll numbers are tanking. He's going at fundraiser after fundraiser, golfing while the economy is sinking into the toilet. He's having a great old time, and all he's doing is talking. You know, it's kind of like that girl we once dated. Remember her? We could talk our way into anything with that girl, couldn't we? All we had to do was do some smooth talking. We could do all kinds of stupid stuff. Remember that, guys? Remember that? We could do all kinds of crazy things. And all we needed, all we had to do was get on the phone and talk sweet. All we had to do was say, hey, I love you, baby. I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. You know, I was a fool, but now I've seen the light. And she fall for it, didn't she? Didn't she fall for it? And we loved it. And we thought there was nothing we could do wrong because all we had to do was talk sweet and low. And she loved us again. But guys, you know as well as I do, there's only so much talking before they don't want to hear you anymore. They've heard it all before. They don't want to hear it anymore. Your actions belie what you're saying. And the lady tells you to get the step and hit the bricks. You're gone. You're done. And no matter, no, no matter, no matter of talking is going to get you back in her good graces. You're done. That's what we have here in the United States of America right here and now during this election cycle. Barack Obama has talked sweet. He's talked low. But that's all he's done was talk. Talking don't feed the bulldog. Talking doesn't put gas in your ride. Talking doesn't put groceries in your in your refrigerator. Talking doesn't get money in your pocket. And quite frankly, that's really what it all what's what it's what it's all about. Now Mitt Romney says, I'm a businessman. I'm gonna straighten this out. It's gonna be about business, and when it's about business, it's about you making money. It's when you're making money, your mama's happy, your girl is happy. The family's happy. Everybody's happy because you're making money. And I know how to make money for you. I'll take care of business. I love the United States of America. I won't bow down. Quite frankly, that's all Romney has to say, right? That's all he has to say. 
while Barack Obama talks about folks paying their fair share, while he talks about inequity, a mistake was made. A mistake was made in 2008. Barack Obama was the ultimate, the ultimate. Folks, he was the ultimate affirmative action hire. That's what we get when we do an affirmative action hire. Affirmative action should be outlawed. Barack Obama is the ultimate affirmative action hire. A good-looking, smooth-talking black guy. He was labeled articulate by a lot of folks. He spoke well, and not with a Negro dialect, as Harry Reid once said of him. We hired him with no experience, no real sense of what the job was really all about. So it was affirmative action. And just like most affirmative action hires, there was no substance behind it, no experience. He was hired because he was black. Let's just put it let, let's just put it out there. Barack Obama was hired to run this country simply because he was a smooth he's a smooth talking black man. That's it whose resume was paper thin and pretty much had to be made up. He was not a constitutional law professor. We know he reached the status of senior lecturer, which is nothing like being a professor. We know that he had to surrender his law license. He was not a practicing lawyer. We know that he got the job the job that he got, the job at the University of Chicago that he got was a patronage job. We knew that when he ran against Bobby Rush for a congressional seat, that Bobby Rush pretty much spanked him and he was deeply in debt. Michelle was about to divorce him. She'd already had uh divorce papers drawn up. He was down him down in the dumps and finally Con some folks into uh, giving him money so that he can get into the state house and then the U.S. Senate, and then the rest is history. The guy's resume is as thin as they get. As thin as they get. America has been hoodwinked, led astray. Yeah. Exactly. Obama's wife surrendered her license in 1993. What happens to a person when, they ha- when they're forced to voluntarily surrender their law license? It doesn't matter, though, does it? But here's the deal. It was all made up. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the emperor walking down Pennsylvania Avenue buck-ass naked. It's all good. Right? Barack Hussein Obama. This is the reason why Barack Obama is going to lose in November. Because he's all known about now. He's all known about. We know who the guy is. We know what he's all about. America knows what he's all about. And he's full of crap. No amount of talking is going to get this guy reelected. He's done for. He's done too much talking. Shut up. You're done. And when you get to the point where you're asking folks to, instead of buying wedding gifts and Christmas gifts and all that, and instead give the money to my campaign, I mean, you're, you, you, 
leaving the United States of America to go campaign somewhere else? Here's the mistake now, though. Obama is better known now than he was two years ago. Well, we're going to finish this up again tomorrow. We're running out of time. Tune in tomorrow, folks, for the C. Robert Jones situation report. But tune in later tonight for GGT 183, conservative primetime at 1130. Their show is off the chain. You have got to be there. I wish I could, but I'm an old man. I can't stay up that late as hard as I try. But you can be there because you're younger than I am and you probably spent most of the day napping. (laughs) Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a really great show. Tune in and it is going to be great. It's Eastern Standard Time. Yes, GDT 183, conservative prime time. That show is, I wish my show was like that show. But I can't. I can't be. There's only one GDT 183. There's only one conservative prime time, and rightly so. Hell, instead of Tesla being the dean of Blog Talk Radio, it should be GGT. Cool, Mike. And Sarge. Anyway, we're out. Thank you very much for listening. I hope everybody has a great night. Tune in tomorrow because we're going to have some fun tomorrow night. I guarantee it. Good night, folks.